This week on Heads and Tails, we're at the peak of March Madness, and we get to hear from former Villanova basketball walk-on, Dallas Owano. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. I mean, I could say that it's clean and it be super dirty, dirty, but I mean, it's really whatever. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you. I'll say this is Dallas Owano Sam. Um, no, I'm I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna do it. All right, let's well, just do it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in for another week of the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm interviewing Dallas Owano. He was um, a walk-on to the Villanova basketball team. And so we're going to talk about a different kind of adversity this week um, and going from, you know, being a walk-on at school to being one of the only seniors on the team, right, uh, when you graduated. Yeah. So let's just start off by talking about, um, like, what sports you played growing up and um, – what led you to stick with basketball in in the end? Um, yeah, so you know, when I was a kid, I played uh, played baseball, basketball, football. <clears throat> Those were my three main sports. Never really got into lacrosse. Never got into soccer. But I just like being an athlete. Being a kid, you know, being outside all day. Um, you know, we were raised in the household where go and ring everybody's doorbell and. On Saturdays, you were outside. Ding dong ditch. Yeah, you were outside from like <laughs> 9 a.m. to to when it got dark out, and you know, you, then you got called inside. Um, but you know, right from when I was a kid, I, I played football in the town. And I played baseball locally, but you know, basketball was always the focus um, from when I was like five years old. You know, five, six, seven years old, started playing uh, travel AAU, all the leagues. Um, started going all over the country for it, and, and that's kind of the sport I just stuck with. I mean, maybe my dad just saw that, you know, maybe I was a little bit better at basketball, or maybe he liked it so much, he thought that... He liked watching you, yeah. He loved watching <laughs> it. He, he, you know, he's been to every game I've ever played in, and he videotapes everything, and we used to do film at night, and... Oh, really? Was oh, he yeah. an athlete, too, when he was uh, growing up? I mean, he was a... He, my dad's a good athlete. Um, he didn't play any organized sports in high school. Um, he's a little bit on the shorter side. Okay. He's only about five nine. Tough to tough sell for <laughs> basketball teams. Um, so he didn't uh, he didn't play any organized sports, but great athlete. Um, you know, grew up doing a lot of physical labor, manual labor in the house. Like what? Pulling weeds. I mean, oh, okay. You know, I grew up pulling weeds. That was like that was your thing. That was like the thing to do on Saturday. You know, everybody was all those kids were out playing in their pools and doing stuff. And you know, before I was allowed to go anywhere, we had to pull weeds or we had to you know move a tree or. Um, you know, install 10 sets of lights in the house. And, you know, that, that, that taught me a lot, obviously, from a, uh, you know, from, from the standpoint of knowing how to work hard. But that was just, you know, one of the reasons my dad, I think, was a good athlete was he spent so much time outside doing so much physical labor. His body was just always in good shape. Right. You know? Just used to moving around. Yeah. Uh, what injuries did you have uh, as a kid? As a kid, I never had – I didn't have a single injury. I mean, I think uh, – I very distinctly remember – being 13 and pulling my groin once, and I was out for a week playing football, but I never had a serious injury until I got to high school, um, until I was about 17 years old, yeah. What was that injury? Uh, dislocated kneecap. It would happen again in college, but it happened uh, senior year, high school, getting ready for my big season. 
Um, you know, been playing AAU all these years. Was there a lot of hype for? Yeah, a ton of hype. Diawano? Yeah, we had uh, you know me and um, a couple other seniors. We've been playing together for a long time. You know, we played when we were kids. We played against each other. We all got to high school. We were all friends. We were all playing on the same team. Um, what high school did you go to again? Christian Brothers Academy. Yeah, okay. CBA. Which for people in North Jersey, they all know as a rival of, okay. of most North Jersey schools. <laughs> um, Why is that? No one likes you guys. No, I mean, we're like, you know, the Central Jersey all guys, Catholic school, and then you have like the Del Bartons and Don Bosco's up here. Seen all prep? Yeah, seen all prep. We played, to them. We played against them a lot. Um, but yeah, so I uh, dislocated my kneecap. I think someone took my legs out in practice. You know, totally accidental. How would practice. you ever, how would you ever see that coming? But, um, you know, I was laying on the floor and my kneecap was about, six inches above where it's supposed to be and my right foot was somewhere near my hip i'm lying on the floor there like oh my god (laughs) and uh you know the trainer at the time um gave me a uh, okay we're gonna pop it back in you know on three right one two bam (laughs) and you know lights went out i i don't even remember what happened for the next few minutes but uh you know that was that was a nasty one you know my my mom was upset about it um you know my dad was you know, as sympathetic as he could be about it. But, uh, you know, it's just another – people get hurt all the time. You right. know, you got to deal with it. So what was the recovery like from that? Did you have to get surgery or – Yeah, so when uh, when I had the dislocation, it, it chipped a bone in my knee. So they had to go in and remove it first. Okay. Um, but essentially, uh, the main injury was all the ligaments and tendons on the outside of my knee were gone, right? They hold it in place. And right. if you pop it out, they're, they've been shredded. Right. Um, so rehab involved me going to a physical therapist who probably, you know, we were, we were new to injury. I didn't know anything about being injured. They sent me to a physical therapist who works on, you know, some older people um, who work on maybe, you know, a hip surgery or knee replacement, stuff like that. Um, so I had a really long comeback period. It must have been like, I don't even know. It must have been like three months, something like that. Um, it's a pretty serious injury. But, you know, I did a lot of slow-moving stability work, um, stuff like that. But, you know, I learned later on when I got to college, you know, the, the stronger your legs are, you know, the stronger the, the, the quad is and the stronger the, the, the muscles around my kneecap got, I sustained the same injury and the comeback time was cut in half because... Because you started with a bigger base, right? Yeah, exactly. And then and my rehab was totally different. I mean, I was on an intense bike workout every day uh, with our trainer, Jeff, Jeff Pierce. I owe a lot to that guy. Um... Spent a lot of time together in the gym. We were squatting. We were uh, leg pressing. We were single leg squatting. I mean, we were doing really. This was every day. This was every day for for at least I would say eight weeks. Right. Uh, probably less than eight weeks actually. I think I was back in six weeks. Um, again and again, same exact injury. You know, I'm sitting on the floor in college, and my kneecap is out again. I'm like, was yeah. it like the same mechanism? Like did someone like that was that, into I legs? actually slipped on a wet floor coming down from a layup. I remember and. Um, you know, as soon as I started to go down, I knew it was, I knew it happened. And, you know, both both times this happened, I had teammates running over and coaches running over. And as soon as they saw what happened, oh, my God. Everyone runs oh. away. Yeah. I had one. Makes uh, you feel really good, too. Yeah. I had one of the coaches I looked up to a lot, Keith Ergo. He, he stuck his neck out for me when I first became a walk-on. And, you know, he's the one who brought me in. He comes running over. And, you know, you know I'm like the guy that he – 
he brought up the ranks. Right. Like, and this is my, uh, this is my junior this year. Boy. Yeah. And he comes running over to see if I'm okay. And he goes, everybody move, everybody move. And he goes, oh, my God, I can't look at it. I'm like, thanks, coach. You know, yeah. a, a nice remain calm would have helped. It's like but, in Step Brothers when he gets right. a cut on his arm. <laughs> exactly. Is it bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it was. But, uh, you know, it, it's an injury. And, you know, I was a kid and I never, I was new to injury, so I didn't know what it was like. But you, know, you kind of figure it out and, you, you know, you're going through the same thing right now. You know, it's it's tough not being able to get off the couch and just, you know, it's hard to get in the shower. It's it's hard to right. Go to you class. rely on people and yeah. You know you have crutches and people are you. Know, I had to leave class five minutes early in high school every day to get. You know they didn't want me um, walking down the hallway with right. with too many people. So let's talk about your injury in high school. Like when you you had that knee injury, you, <clears throat> you were out for the rest of the season. I'm assuming I played like the last. Yeah, I played the last like six games. Okay, so how did that affect like your recruitment? Is that why? Um, did you not get recruited because you missed all your senior season, or what? What was the deal with that? And like, what was it like watching your team out there in your senior year, um, and not being able to yeah. play? Uh, I mean, it was you know, it's it's hard being hurt. It's even harder being hurt as a senior um, on his way out. You know, you're thinking, is this the last bas? Did I play my last basketball game? Um, you know, there there were definitely a couple emotional emotional days um, trying to figure it out. I mean, recruiting wise, I wasn't you know, I really wasn't a heavily recruited athlete. Um, there were a couple D2, D3 schools that I was looking at. Um, you know, I maybe did a handful of, of low level, uh, visits right. to some schools and, you know, I, my dad always instilled in me and my parents always said, you know, you're going to go to school to get your education. You know, I knew from a very young age, I wasn't a pro. <laughs> I wasn't going to, you know, I probably could have done, gone overseas or something for a little while, but let, you know, let's be honest, that's probably not in my future. Right. And I, I didn't think it was right. Um, so, you know, education was always first and foremost, but you know, as a lifelong athlete, I was freaking out a little bit thinking what, where is this going to go? Um, but I, I did end up playing in the end of the season. My first game back was against St. Anthony's, which as you probably know, is one of the best, best teams, teams in the country enough. with the best coach. And they had, they had six, six or seven division one players, one of my future teammates, Dominic Cheek, was on that team. Um, my first game back, I think we lost uh, like 90 to 40. Oh, my God. Um, that was my first game back. I had my knee wrapped. I was all timid on the floor. I think I was the high scorer of the game with like seven points. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, after that, I started to really think like, you know, my future's not in basketball. I'll play if I can. Um, you know, it, it took some time to get over it, but I spent a couple months figuring out like, you know, basketball might not be my future as so a player. So did you, like, stop shooting hoops? Did you no, stop, no, like, not start at all. I, mean, I played pickup, and, and I did everything I could to stay in it. Um, I played pickup. I would go down to the shore. i go down to Ocean City where my grandparents live, and they have some really good pickup games down there outside. So I'd play all summer. Um, you know, it's just like being, you know, for the rest of my life, I want to be a kid, right? Right, I, just I wanna, play, yeah. I want to play outside. I want to do stuff. Um, so, you know, it's never going to get me down um, that I'm not, you know, that basketball's over. Right. And at that point in time, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was upset about it, but I wasn't going to, you know, my life's not over. Right. I'm not even a quarter away through my life yet, right? So um, at that point, I was just working on transitioning into being a regular guy. And, it, you know, it's not easy. But, I, you know, I knew Villanova and I knew lots of schools have club basketball teams. And, you know. You're some, okay with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, it was hard to get hard to get used to when you think about, you know, sports was so serious for so long. And now club you know, club sport could be very, right. you know, very average, um, just in terms of like how serious, you know, some guys were getting drunk before games and, 
I mean, oh, in club, you said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were just having, you know, we were just having a good time or whatever, and I had fun. But you know, at some, there's always a deep down piece of me that wants to be in like heavily competitive, just a heavily competitive sport. And is it like if it's not going to be competitive, then like why bother doing it? Or sometimes, yeah. I mean, I would say if it's something I enjoy, like you know, I, I don't do competitive yoga, <laughs> but uh, Britta makes me go to hot yoga once a week, and you know, I'm not gonna get really intense with that but you know if I play in a basketball game if I play pickup somewhere I mean you know I'm not I want to win right you know and I don't want to there's a lot of people that can be known as the overly competitive guy I try not to be that way but uh you know I don't want to be a loser right no one does yeah <laughs> yeah everybody wants to win right I'm not going to be happy when I don't win something but I do know that there's other things going on in life um so talk about your transition to Villanova and being like not going in as an athlete and then talk about yeah. like playing club and how either the coaches found you or t talk about that whole process. Yeah. So, um, I got there to school. Um, you know, somebody, uh, I had a friend who told me that there are, uh, you know, club basketball tryouts, you know, you should definitely go out. It's fun. You know, play, play a good amount of games, play against other schools. Um, you know, there's a club basketball, uh, you know, championship, there's tournament, all that stuff. They have regionals, and then they have a. So you got the the competitive, <coughs> the comp level right. of competitiveness yeah. that you're you know looking what? for. There are a lot of good players. You no, know, we were playing against all the big schools, all you know, a lot of major Division One schools. Those guys had players just like me. You know, they were they were good players at some point, and they decided either I'm not good enough to play for you know Duke, but I can play on Duke's club team, or you know, uh, we played against up. We played up in Boston University, and uh, BU's club team was really good. And, um, you know, all those guys were probably Division two, low Division one players, but they decided to take the education, keep right. playing ball. Um, <clears throat> but my freshman year, we played, we made it to, like, the regional tournament in Boston, and we actually won. And then we went out to um, Detroit, where the, uh, the NCAA Final Four was happening, and we had our uh, national championship. Oh, that's pretty cool. At the same time, so it was cool to be out there, and uh, you know, I got to go to Detroit while Villanova was also in the Final Four, at the same time. Um, <clears throat> so it was cool. You know, I felt like I was, you know, we were. I was felt like I was still doing it. We flew out there. We right. had uh, the school gives you, you know, a certain amount of money to fund your way over there, and you raise some money, and it was a good time. But um, you know, I still went to the open tryouts held for the basketball team. Right every year, the 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 bas the the men's basketball team holds open tryouts in the pavilion. And, uh, you know, I put you through drills and typical tryouts for two days. And I got an email back, like, after that and said, you know, we're not looking for a player at the moment, but thanks for coming out. And, you know, I was perfectly, I was perfectly fine with that. They had 15 players in the roster. And, <laughs> as you know, they were a ridiculously good team. Right. Um, and I had no expectations. So I you just kind of kept to... it moving. I kept playing ball and just enjoying college. I was a freshman, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old. I don't, I don't know anything. I just go to school to party and enjoy myself. Right. Um, and then the following year, uh, for, for whatever reason, I can't even remember why. Um, the next summer before sophomore year, I decided to start working out with um, a guy's name is Rich Stoner. Uh, he such a stoner. <coughs> great name, right? Um, he he ran a strength and conditioning um, program, basically out of his car. Um, you know where he trained a lot of a lot of youth athletes. You know kids that were like ten, 
12 years old. Were yeah. you always big into working out in the training aspect yeah, that, of sports, I mean, that, like that, even that's in high really, school? I think that, you know, now that you say that's probably more what it was, I just wanted to be in shape. Um, yeah. I, I like doing physical stuff. I mean, some, one of my dreams as a kid was just to run through obstacle courses if I could ever find one. You know, I played it like, do you remember the Discovery Zone? Yeah, DZ just yeah, ever. Yeah, I remember that was like my favorite place to be as a kid. There was one near my house. I mean, I just want to climb stuff and, and run around and jump in a ball pit and yep. and dodge moving objects. Like that's the stuff that I find fun. I think it was better than uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Oh, way better than Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> but uh, I called this guy. And I can't really remember why I did it in the first place. I think my sister was was training with him when she was you know she's probably like ten years old playing basketball. And I said, hey, you know, can we work out? You know, you're, you're he was he's a good athlete too. I said, can we just work out together? And he put me through a bunch of stuff. And and after a while, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna stick with it. And we did bat we did basketball drills and we did a lot of strength and conditioning. And I was never strong as an athlete. I was, you know, I was probably like five ten at the time, um, 160 pounds soaking wet, and I was fast, right? But I was weak and I got pushed around a lot. And probably why I never got recruited anywhere big. But you know, I started to get a little stronger. Um, a little more explosive, and uh, I went back to tryouts that that next year. Again, I didn't have any expectations. This team's coming off Final Four. I'm saying, you know, I'll just go try. You right. know, it'll be fun. If nothing else, I get three days of working out. I got, a, I think I got a T-shirt out of it. There like, you go, whatever. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, I got to hang out with with uh, you know with Villanova's coaches for a couple days, and it was a great time. And um, you know, everything happens for a reason, and. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, I guess, right? At the time, I guess uh, <clears throat> they were they they were actually in need of a new walk on. They uh, they had guys graduating, teams moving a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Um, so Keith Ergo called me back. He was director of operations at the time, and he said, you know, um, no, no guarantees in this world, but you know, we'd love to bring you on as a practice player. Um, you know, you do everything with the team. You know, I, I you know I went to meals and uh, I went to practice, and a lot of times I just stood there. So how did that feel when he told you that? You know, I was surprised and confused because I, you know, again, I never pictured myself as a as a Big East basketball player, right? I never, I never really thought that I could handle it. Um, but apparently, they saw something in me. And um, again, you know, sometimes you get lucky. There have definitely been better players than me come through there for tryouts, and the team just didn't need a player at the time. They had, you know, maybe they had fourteen recruited high level basketball players and. They didn't have room. Um, I just got a little lucky, and, you know, I, I played well in tryouts. Um, you know, so I was super excited. I remember going out with all my friends that night and and, <laughs> and partying, and I didn't know that would be the last night I would party hard for a very long right. time. Um, but, uh, you know, they brought me in. I, I practiced. You know, I, there were a couple days a week where I would go there and do nothing. You know, I'd warm up, and I would stand there. Um, and then there were a couple days when you had a couple guys hurt, and I would play for three hours straight. And I lost, like, 15 pounds in – like a couple of weeks because I hadn't run that much in my entire right. life. I mean, you know, I was going to morning shooting. Um, I was going to morning conditioning. I was going to practice at three o'clock and, and I was running and sprinting and I'm pretty sure I threw up a couple of times. Um, but you know, I, I was back in it again and I felt great, you know, just be doing, you know, doing the competitive thing again. And it was even better that I was on obviously <laughs> a big time basketball program. Right. That's awesome, and I, I think it definitely – they probably saw, like, your work ethic. Um, where do you think that you got your work ethic? I know we kind of talked about this earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I definitely got it from my parents. I mean, uh, you know, my dad uh, – my mom and dad work <laughs> – they work their asses off. Um, my dad's a dentist, started his own practice well, basically when I was born, started it from nothing. Um, 
you know, rented this office building and, uh, you know, I always hear, hear stories from when it first opened, it was my mom, my dad, you know, my mom made the phone calls, scheduled the patients. She, uh, brought everybody in. My dad worked on them and, you know, now they've evolved into 25 years of this great, you know, dental practice. And, you know, you, you got to remember that things are a process, you know, nothing happens overnight. Right. You got to just Patience tap at the is, stone, yeah. tap at the stone every single day. Um, so, you know, I, I got, I had that instilled in me from being a kid. Like I said, you know, I spent a lot of time pulling weeds. I mean, you know, as funny as that sounds, I mean, that's what I did. And that was, um, you know, that, that was a, a lesson that I don't think a lot of people get, you know, a lot of kids don't spend their entire lives doing manual right. labor. And I did a lot of manual labor too. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and you, and you know, just like I do that that's worth a lot. Um, you know, a little elbow grease and a little, little physical work, you know, as a kid goes a really long way later in life. You know, you got to start building those habits as a kid. Right. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that, that I did. You know, I really didn't go out a lot. I'm terrible at drinking. I'm, I've never <laughs> been good at it. I, I'm always the first one sleeping. I'm always the first one that gets drunk um, during drinking games. So, you know, my whole life in high school, I, I could probably tell you the three parties I went to. I, I was the same way. I, I'm pretty I, sure I, I know whose houses yeah. they were. I, you know, the, the worst thing I did as a kid in high school was I told my parents I was going to see, you know, like the Mummy 3, and I went to my friend's house. And my parents thought I saw the movie three times. I mean, I kept lying about it. I mean, that was probably the worst thing I ever did as a kid. You know, most of my nights were, Damn, were playing basketball. And, you know, I had games every weekend. You were the same way. You know, yeah. you, when you were in high school, you know, you were you're doing something every weekend. You know, every weekend there was a tournament. Um, you know, we're on the road for basketball every other week. If not, we have practice Saturday night, Sunday night, Friday night. I mean, it's always something. So, you know, I treated my work ethic to my parents, definitely. Nice. Um, were there any athletes that you looked up to growing up? And if so, why, why that particular athlete? Uh, you know what? I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a big Nick fan. So when I was growing up, like, you know, Alan Houston was in the team, Patrick Ewing and, and Oakley and those guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I think growing up again, my parents, my, especially my dad, who, who was, it was him and I on the sports side of things. Um, my dad always you know, he, I, we, again, I, like I said, we knew when I was a kid, I, I'm not going to be a pro. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be six foot four, you know, 225, massively athletic build and, and going to be in the NBA. So I think more than anything, I looked up to the better players on my teams when, when I would play. Okay. Um, when I started playing AAU basketball, I played for the, uh, the Central Jersey Hawks, who I'm assuming are still around now. Um, and I had a list of, you know, there were, there were at least eight Division One players in that basketball team. And me, I was at the very end of the bench. I didn't play basically what I did in college, but <laughs> I didn't play that much. Um, you know, I went to practice. I worked my butt off every day. I got my ass handed to me every day. Um, but, but I was on this team of guys who were so far ahead of me. I mean, they were handling the ball well, and they were shooting well. I mean, these talking about nine-year-olds who were shooting threes. You know, they, these kids were taking 200, that 300 will, yeah. shots a day. Um, and those were more the kids I looked up to growing up because I wanted to be, I wanted to be the guy, right. you know, I was never, I was never the star growing, you know, the, those first couple of, couple of years yeah, being on those teams, right? Yeah, being on those teams. I mean, I'm, you know, I had, uh, you know, I, my team had, uh, Ashton Gibbs on it, played at Pittsburgh, plays overseas. I, now he you played our high school. Yeah. Oh, we went played, to a game there. Yeah. It was like yeah, ridiculous. Played at yeah. prep. I mean, he, he was a great basketball player and, and I'm on the, and he, even at that point, he wasn't the best player on the team. I mean, there there were a lot of guys in that team that were just 
so far ahead of me. And every day I just wanted to be more like them. You know, we had a point guard. His name was Dave Johnson. Played at Quinnipiac. You know, he uh, he was a phenomenal basketball player. He, he, he was a little bit on the shorter side, but he handled the ball better than anyone I saw on TV. Um, he shot the ball better than most guys I saw on TV. He was fast. He was strong for a little kid. Um, ironically enough, Corey Weissman, who you also interviewed, yeah. him and I were on the end of that bench okay. at one point <laughs> when we were little. And, you know, we started to get older and we got better. And, and right. Corey developed into a ridiculous shooter, by the way. Um, but but that was us. You know, we were these two guys at the end and these these ridiculous players, players were yeah. ahead of us. And, um, you know, growing up, those I played with those same guys through, you know, almost through high school. And, uh, you know, they were they were the guys I looked up to. You know, they were my friends. Um, we hung out and do whatever. But more than anything, I would go to practice and I would say, you know what, I want to be like that guy. And, yeah. and I would just, you know, I would try to take something away from each of them every single day, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a huge believer in, like, you become the average of the people that you hang out with. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, like, just like you said, like, when you played, you growing up with all these, like, great athletes yeah. that, you know – you almost like have to get better, yeah, you know, just to survive out there. Um, yeah, but then I think that definitely is obviously what paid off for you in the end, and what the coaches saw in you uh, at Villanova. Um, all right, what else we got here? What do you think separated you from? Eh, I don't like that question. We already kind of talked about it. that. Yeah. What were some of the best experiences that you had at Villanova basketball? Oh man, um, I mean. You know, right off the bat, um, when I started, I, I was I wasn't sure if one if I could handle myself, um, and two what it would be like transitioning away from from college life back into that regimented, super regimented. Yeah. I mean, listen, Villanova. You know, all these teams do something different um, in terms of the way they run their teams and how they treat walk-ons and everything. Coach Wright, um, you know. He treats a walk-on as a, an integral part of the team. Um, you know, there are definitely some programs that walk-ons may be there just to kind of run through plays and just kind of be on the bench and do be whatever. Body, yeah. yeah, just be bodies in the team. Um, but you know, walk-ons are are something that is extremely important to the Villanova basketball program, and, and I had to learn that from day one. Um, like I said, the first night I found out, I remember going out to uh, this one restaurant called Fellini's at Villanova. Went out and partied. I'm pretty sure. I, I drank a bunch. Um, and then the next morning I went to practice, and I don't think I drank for like six to 12 months after that. I because mean, you felt like shit? Yeah, I felt terrible. And not even that, now that I knew the physical demands, demands I was going right. to need to meet every day, I was like, you know what? Clean up the eating, clean up the drinking. Um, but, you know, first day was, was the, the coolest experience. And I think it might sound kind of weird, but the best thing I learned from this was the regimented schedule was, is for me what works. I mean, everybody's different, but you know, we were wake up at, we were going into wake up at six, gym at six thirty, shooting starts at seven. We shot from seven to eight, right? Then we all ate breakfast together, and that was cool. You know, I mean, you, you're you're really learning what a family was, uh, and it was cool. I hang out with my teammates all day. I mean, these guys are on TV all the time, and they're, uh, you know, they're again. Now I'm back in with 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 players who are so far ahead of me, um, skill wise. And I want to be like them. Right. So what, what do I have to do to be like them? I have to do everything with them. You know, we're going to eat breakfast together. Then we went to class. And a handful of us were in class together. And it was cool to just go back to having your buddies around with you all the time. You know, it was right. basically an excuse the camaraderie to hang. that you don't get just from, like, yeah, just your like, friend in class. Right, right yeah. exactly. Like the guy sitting next to you in finance class, you know, we were 
we we, we high five each other on the way in and out of class. But right. that guy didn't that guy didn't kill himself with me at conditioning that morning. Right. You know, and then there was practice from three to six, and we were in the gym sweating, dying, running back and forth, and then running plays over and over again. And then we're at film from seven to nine every night, and then go home, and now I got to study. And and I, I as ironic as that sounds, that was a cool experience for me because now, like I said, you know, I came from being competitive forever and then it just came to a screeching halt and then I took a year and a half of just being a regular guy and now I'm, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm back in it again. Right, right, right. Um, but in terms of just cool experiences, you know, I mean, traveling was awesome. We got to see all these cool gyms. Um, I got to go to every arena in the Big East. I got to go to play at the Garden. You know, I got to practice in the Garden. I got to suit up there and warm up and, and it was great. It was, uh, it, it was really intimidating being on that floor. At that Madison place, Square Garden? That, yeah, the Madison, Madison Square Garden is, if you're on the floor, it doesn't look anything like when you're in the stands. It's, it's huge, and the lights are all on the floor, and everything is pitch black around you. And it's really intimidating. So is that your favorite place that you went to? Um, yeah, that, that's definitely the, the coolest arena I went to. I went to a lot of cool arenas, you know, going down to, uh, I think it was the Yum Center in uh, at Louisville. It was okay. pretty. It was pretty awesome. Um Louisville's you know, like a cool town. Louisville is, yeah. you know what? I didn't, uh, you know. Yeah, we were you very go strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't going out. We were, we were, you know, we had a very, uh, a very strict policy on no going, no leaving the hotels, and you know, all things that were obviously good and productive for us. There's no reason for to us be to be successful, right? walking around Louisville while we're on the road right. for a game. But um, <laughs> yeah, only bad things can happen. Yeah, exactly. That. But uh, you know, going around the arenas, it, it was it was so cool. We went out to Anaheim for uh, a tournament. Um, my uh, junior year, I think, maybe my senior year. Um, you know, I got to play out there. Um, we got to play in. Uh, I got to play in Amsterdam and in Paris, which was really awesome. You get to go once every four years. Yeah, really cool. It was really, you know, really awesome. I got to travel, um, see the Eiffel Tower, stuff that I haven't. You know, growing up again. You know, we played a lot of sports. We did a lot at home, but we didn't do a lot of vacations. We didn't. I didn't go. My first trip to Europe was was for basketball at age twenty one. Um, so for me to get out of the country and I had to go get a passport, I don't even know how to do that. Right. To go out of the country, see all that stuff. And, you know, it was really, really awesome. And, you know, I'll get to do it again at some point, hopefully, um, as I get older. But, you know, as a kid at 21 years old, there's not many kids that can say they got to do that. Right. So that was cool. And then, you know, you had a bunch of, you got a bunch of gear out of it. People are always trying to steal Gotta, it. You always love the swag. You my, got to. My mom steals all my stuff. My girlfriend steals all my stuff. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it was cool just having people people look at you. Um, you know, I, I learned very early that there's a lot of attention brought on you. and Bunch of cleat chasers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that going on, but it's it's funny because, you know, you think it's going to be all great um, when you're not part of it. You're like, right. oh, it'd be cool to sign autographs all day, yeah, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to sign basketball? And then, you know, the uh, uh, Helene who who ran the front desk, who basically ran, who ran the – one of the people who ran the office would call me and say, hey, you have – Basketball is a sign. I'd go upstairs and go into the theater where we watch film, and there'd be like 300 basketballs. <laughs> and I would, I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I did not sign up for yeah. this. So I'd go, I'd sign like the first row. It took me like 40 minutes, and my hand would be cramping. So I had to like take a break. I'd go eat lunch, and I'd come back, and I'd finish them. And then I'd have 10 minutes to go before practice. I'm like, man, that was not what I pictured. You know? Did, did that make you mad? Like, Knowing that they're probably making money off of that, and you know, no, you know what? Um, th there's that, there's a very, there's a lot of controversy around right, the right, athletes right. being paid. You know, my opinion on it is that for me, the stuff that I learned 
playing basketball there under the coaching staff and under Coach Wright. I mean, that that stuff is probably more valuable and worth more for me going right. forward than if they had given me, you know, X, twenty grand yeah, a year yeah. or, or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done anything good with that money at age 20. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. To be honest. That's a so, good answer, yeah. You know, there's a lot of differing opinions, but I don't think that I would have, you know, I benefited more from learning, you know, how to work and, and learning the regimented lifestyle more than anything. Right. Um, I think another thing that I kind of got out of what you said is that for people who are kind of transitioning to life after sports or whatever, like having a regimen in your schedule yeah. could be like really helpful for someone just like, all right, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to the gym. Then I'm going to, you know, eat lunch. Then I'm going to have set this time to yeah. do uh, my homework. And then I'm going to go to class. Then like, I think that could probably help people get in kind of a groove when yeah. you're used to having that regimented schedule yeah, in definitely. high school or whatever. And then after that. So that's, that's cool. Um, so I know you didn't get a lot of playing time at Villanova. How did that, like, how did you, how did that affect you, like, mentally and emotionally in terms of, like, motivation and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, my first day in, in Ergo's office, he told me, he said, listen, your, your job is not to come in here and, and be a star basketball player. You know, we recruited, we spent all this money and, and recruited all these players and, and used our scholarships on these guys. Um, you know, your job, you have these responsibilities. You're supposed to be the, the epitome of a Villanova basketball player. You're supposed to show up to everything on time. You're supposed to, you know, really exemplify to the community um, of Villanova and, and to everyone who you, who you see on the street when you're wearing that Villanova T-shirt is, is to show the world what a Villanova man is, is all about. And, and that, was, that was my responsibility. And, you know, hearing that for the first time was a little weird. Um, again, I've never been in um, – you know, exposed to anything like this before. Uh, you know, I never been brought into a team and said, okay, your job is to sit on the bench, you know? Right. Um, and that wasn't even my job either. I was always told every day in practice, you know, you're supposed to be ready. And I, uh, I got into, we played Marquette New Year's Day, uh, my senior year, and we had four point guards foul out, my junior year, sorry. And we had four point guards foul out, and I had to go in with a minute left. And, you know, that at that point in my at that point in my career, I walked out of the bench and I'm like, you know what, I've been doing. We do this every day in practice, right? You know, it's, it's 60 seconds. We we practice for hours in practice. This is exactly why we do this, right? And you know, he was right from day one. He said, your job is to be ready all the time. And I worked my butt off in practice, and I dove on balls, and I played sore just like everybody else did. Um, and and over time, it, it wore off on me that you know. I'm not going to play that often. And you know what? Coach Ray got me in there when he could, and I played in a handful of games, and I enjoyed it. And more than anything, my parents probably enjoyed it, you know? Right. But, um, the thrill of that. Yeah, yeah, it took me a couple a couple weeks to get over it and figure that out. And, you know, we definitely had a couple people coming in and out in terms of practice players who who didn't necessarily get that. And I don't blame them because it's hard to right. be to be a stud for so long. You know, we had one kid come in. He, he was a really good basketball player. He thought that he was going to – be Villanova's next great point guard, and they're like, you know what, man, that's that's not what we need you for. And he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't good right. enough. <laughs> first off, but uh, but second of all, I mean, that's not your job, you know. Right. Um, so I learned that I learned that in the first couple of weeks, and uh, I figured it out. But regardless, I mean, we worked our butts off in practice. I mean, I I got in there. I got we played a lot in my senior year. Um, we had a couple guys hurt. Uh, on and off, you know, a couple guys playing really injured and during games and, and having a couple practices they had to take off. And uh, my teammate Nick and I, Nick actually 
ironically enough, his brother and I grew up together, and uh, he showed up his freshman year. He was a good basketball player, so then he followed the same track as I did, practice player, walk on. Him and I played a lot in practice senior year, and our goal was to beat. You know, we were the white team, and the the, uh, the starters were the blue team, and every day in practice, the white team kicked the blue team's ass. And you know, right. we, uh, that you was know, your job. Though. That was our job every day was to, was to get after it. And, and as soon as they slacked off a little bit, we were supposed to you know really get in there and beat yeah. them. And you know, you know what it's like. Losers, the losers run, right? right? And right. you know, I made it our goal to not have to run that much because yeah, yeah. all I did for four years was run my ass <laughs> off. Um, so, you know, you know, that was my game, you know, the, the the practice was my game. That was our game days. And then game day, which was only less than two hours anyway, that was our time to, you know, support everyone, um, consistently be ready to play. But more than anything, you know, again, cheering like crazy, talking people up, getting them motivated. There are multiple times you had a couple guys coming back to the bench with their heads down. You know, our job was to get in their face and pick them up. And, and, and that was an important part. And I started to realize that that, has a lot of value you know if you're on a basketball team with with seven guys who are phenomenal players but there's no you know there's no uh there's no meshing of personalities and there's no you need guys like walk-ons to really make the team to bind yeah the team exactly together, you, need, right. you need those guys to, to bring everybody together and uh you know te- teams are so much more than just the great athletes they have it's 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 everybody else it's it's staff it's it's managers, and we had managers wiping our sweat off the floor after we'd fall. I was one of those guys. Yeah, you know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not an easy job, and I give those guys so much respect. If we had practice at 5 a.m. before we left on the road, we had to be in the gym. Or let's say we had practice at 5.30. I remember we had one. Um, our job was you had to be in the gym 30 minutes before practice, and there's a clock. And the managers, they were there at 4 a.m., taping the floors and filling water jugs. I mean, these are regular guys. Right. You know? They just I want to, to be a part of it. I yeah. got to go out on the court at, at the end of the day and wear a uniform, and my name was in the roster, and people all knew who I was. Managers got no no recognition whatsoever. Right. And you know what that's like. Right, right, right. But you know how hard you work. We never got put work. in the program, yeah. No, there was nothing <laughs> in the program. But the one thing – now, the going back to the Villanova culture, the Villanova basketball program, you know, Joe Merkel was one of our managers. He was a senior, same time as me. And, uh, you know, he was out there on senior night – he, they they brought him out. They walked him out the same way I did. His parents were out there. He got a big plaque with his oh, jersey cool. on. With That's a cool. jersey on. I mean, you know, Villanova takes that stuff really seriously, and not every school does. So right. I was just fortunate enough to, you know, to be on that, be a part of that program. Cool. Um, listening to that, I it made me think that just like in any sport, and I, I can only speak from like a football stance, but like it's kind of like know your job. And, like, everyone has a job on the team. And usually you have success if everyone's doing their job. But if one person's not doing their job, they're going to mess everyone else up. So, be, you know, going from you being, you know, a stud in high school to being to go being a, a walk-on that doesn't really get to see the court that much in, in college. But when, you, when the coach told you, like, what his expectations were of your role and you're accepting those roles and, you know, busting your ass in practice. And, like, I like how you said, like, Practice was your game, yeah. you know. And I think that for kids out there who aren't, you know, getting the playing time that they want, if you make practice your game, I'm sure not only are you going to get better, but the coaches are going to see that, and I'm sure they're going to be more apt to put you in in a game where, yeah, you know, where it's uh, appropriate, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would like to think that Coach Ray had the confidence that if everyone fouled out, which he clearly did, I mean, if everyone was everyone was injured. 
you know, I would he would be okay put me in the game. And I remember um Yeah, not like I remember it was like January my senior year. Again, we had guys banged up. We were we were practicing with nine players. We couldn't even get you know, we had Baker Dunleavy who played at Villanova, but he was a coach now. He uh he was coming out on the court and practicing. I mean, his guy was like thirty. Right. And he was practicing with us and, and he was a he was also a um I think Baker was a walk on, but Baker was just like me, you know, um, end of the bench, work your butt off every day. And, you know, he's 30 years old and he's still doing it. Um, but, you know, we were practicing with nine guys and I think we had seven. I think we had seven active players before me and Nick um, in the game uh, versus South Florida. And I remember him, Coach Wright, like before, the, the night before the game and saying, be ready. Because you never know what can happen. I mean, one guy goes, you get another guy to go down, somebody with foul trouble. And, you know, I said, you know what, coach? I've been, you know, you've been telling me that for two years now. Like, right. it's, it's, I'm ready. Like, if you don't, if I don't get in, fine. You know, we go back to work on Monday. But if I do, like, I've been doing this every day for you. So it's nothing different. Right. And I think we're underestimating the fact that, like, of your character to be mature enough to say that. You know, like, a lot of guys yeah. wouldn't be like, let's get back to work if I don't play. Like, they'll be all upset, like, heads yeah. hanging down. So it definitely takes a special kind of athlete to compose themselves like like you did. Um, I got one more Villanova basketball question, kind of. Uh, so I want to talk about your rehab from your, your second knee injury yeah. in Villanova as opposed to when you were in high school. It, just for, like, kids who suffer an injury – in youth sports or in high school, like they don't have access to the resources that yeah. you have in college and in yeah. the pros. So, like, what advice would you give to those athletes um, to help them in their recovery to to recover like a college player or a pro? Yeah, um, you know what I will say is that I'm learning more and more doing this whole. Uh, you know, as I'm working out more uh, post college, you don't need much. To, to make it happen. Um, you know, I did a lot of, um, I remember doing a lot of, uh, Bulgarian split squats, right? Where you, right. And I would grab two plates. I put my leg up on a bench behind me. Right. Um, and then I would do, you know, Jeff would make me do 30 second hole at the bottom. I'd be crying. Right. And th they were two plates. I mean, you know, there's no reason why you can't grab two, two stones of milk or something. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and do the exact same thing. I remember uh, I actually I went on a trip once and we stayed in this house and they had these really big rocks outside and they were probably like ten pounds each. And I remember um, we all worked out in the morning. I grabbed I grabbed the rock and did sit ups with it, and I did pull ups on like a beam in the backyard. Right. And you can make do with with anything. Um, you know the equipment's great. Don't get me wrong. It would be any any kid's gonna want to have the nicest equipment and state of the art everything, but you can do everything. You can get by and you, and you can do a lot of really intense things using most of the, th the crap you can find in your garage. Right? Who's you like know? Herschel Walker does like he doesn't he never touched a weight in yeah, his life, right? right? And yeah. he, he was like a UFC fighter after he played football. And like jacked out of right, his mind. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I probably could have body weight air squatted a thousand times a day and uh, and done split squats with, with two gallons of milk that my mom had. I could have grabbed some tools and put them in a bag and threw it over my shoulder if I needed right. to do that. I think you could have got by just the same. I mean, I would go on the bike in the gym. Uh, I would watch the first part of practice from the from the weight room. We had a window there. And uh, I would bike. I would bike like 10 miles. It would take me a half hour. I mean, I could have easily jumped on a bike and rode to like, two towns over and back. And right. I probably would have got the exact same workout. 
You know, exactly, so yeah. I think if you're a kid and you don't have access to that stuff, similar to what I didn't have access to in high school, um, it, it's more the knowledge you get from from somebody who did it. Um, you know, or if you know a, a trainer or can get in touch with a college. Coach, I mean, everything's on the internet now. Right, you exactly. There's tons of resources out. Yeah. out there. Like you can get protocols and stuff yeah. like that to kind yeah. of yeah do your own little re- return to play on that. Definitely. Uh, all right, so let's talk about your transition to CrossFit after, you know, your last basketball game. So how'd you get into CrossFit? So just to preface this, Dallas is a, he's, I would consider him an elite level CrossFitter. Um, he hasn't made it to the, average to the games. Definitely not average. <laughs> he, he, he won one of the most competitive uh, CrossFit competitions in Northern New Jersey at CrossFit 908. And I just want to kind of talk about how you transitioned to, to CrossFit. Cause I know CrossFit was big for me too. When yeah. I found that it was like the closest thing that I could get to that feeling of like playing a sport again, just like in terms of the level of intensity. And like you said, like trying to constantly like work and get better at something. There's so many things that you can get better at, and you'll still probably like never be the best. At. Yeah. So, yeah, could you just talk about that? Yeah. Um, so you know, I gra- you know, uh, once basketball season ended, it ended in March. Uh, I had about two months, actually less than two months, to be a, be a student again. Right. Went out and partied every night. Um, I probably took like two classes my senior year. Um, I was just uh, I was just living life, and I you know Nick and I uh, he you know he's still a walk on he he was two years younger than me, um, you know we kept working out with uh, with Jimmy who was the intern for our strength con- okay. and conditioning coach, um, Jimmy was in the same grade as I am, um, you know love big into fitness love being fit love lifting love working out, um, he was always in the gym I mean I, I, this is basically you know just like the managers he got nothing out of it right. Uh, in terms of recognition or stuff, but he got to, right, exactly. And it it helped him post-graduation. I know Jimmy, Jimmy is very successful and I think he's married now. Actually, he is married now. Um, and he's doing big things, um, you know, after college as well, but him and I and Nick, we worked out, we continued to work out every day and Jeff used to work me out also, but he almost killed me one time. So I, I stopped working out with Jeff. (laughs) Um, but Nick, Jimmy, and I would go in and lift, and we would run on the Sandman, which uh, is this treadmill that has no – it doesn't move on its own. Right. You propel it? Yeah. So yeah, they strap that. you up to a post. There's a post behind you, okay. and you put a harness around your uh, waist, and you would just run sprints. And it was like having your feet in sand. Jeez. And it was a nightmare. Um, but we would, we would run sprints, and we would lift, and we would, we would do a lot of stuff that I found out later was – "Quote unquote CrossFit, CrossFit-y, yeah, yeah, what which is basically just doing a whole bunch of different movements and throwing them together, right? I mean, that's essentially what we like doing. Um, so, so I got into that right after I finished uh, basketball, not knowing that CrossFit was a thing. Um, I came home from graduation, and all I'm thinking is, you know, I have a job, but I got to keep working out, right? So I'm on Google. And uh, I'm looking up, like, you know, what do athletes do after college? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm Did just, you really Google that? I'm telling you, I Googled it. Like, <laughs> you know, things to do after you play college basketball to stay competitive. That's funny. Just to stay in shape. I mean, I hated going to the LA Fitness and, and running on a treadmill and lifting. And oh, I'm just, sure your arms looked really good. It did, man. Yeah. At one point, I had, like, a nice – I'm not a very large-chested person, but – I, uh, you know, I was, I was benching and, and, and doing curls right, and doing the... never squat, you know, didn't squat, but, you know, tried to, tried to be, keep my ex- explosiveness. Um, and, and I stumbled across CrossFit 732, which was the gym that I originally went to. They were in South Amboy. Um, actually they were in, 
uh, I think Matawan at the time. And uh, I walked in at noon on like a like a Saturday, and I said I called him up. And I said, "Can I come in?" And uh, and you know and work out. And they're he's like, like no. "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, come on in." <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, you're not you're not good enough. <laughs> I walked in, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you know this is this is our gym, and it's it's a garage door, and the place is maybe 200 square feet." So Actually, what was your initial bigger thought than that. when you? I'm like, I, well, I was excited mostly because I saw this movie that. A lot of my friends know I talk about. It. It's called Never Back Down. You've seen it, right? I don't think so. I'll have to check it out. It's about uh, this kid who's in high school, and he uh, he's doing he, he's like a boxer, um, or does mixed martial art, martial arts with the with uh, Jimon Hunsu is the actor who who runs it. It's called Twenty Four Hour Fitness. It's a gym. It's a big garage door. It's a piece of crap. And he trains all his kids to to in mixed martial arts. Okay. And the guy ends up winning this big, you know, big uh, like tournament and whatever, and it's really cool. But uh, you know, th- I walked in. I'm like, man, this place is awesome. Like, right. It's a piece of crap. Yeah, you like, yeah, you like the grunginess <laughs> yeah. of it. It's got like a little turf strip that's like falling apart. It's got, um, it's got like a rig. It's got stuff I don't even know what they're called. You know, it's got barbells, and I'm like, oh, a free a, a freestanding barbell. What is that? Right. You know, I, I didn't know what we were doing. So I did what they called the baseline workout, which is probably like five minutes. Right. We did some rowing, some push-ups, some pull-ups, some air squats. Then I pushed the prowler sled, which I remember pushing in a, in college uh, with Rich, and I remember throwing up multiple times from it. And uh, I pushed this freaking sled back and forth like six times. I've been working out for a total of like 18 minutes. I thought I was going to pass out, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm supposed to be like a good athlete. Like this is ridiculous. Right. And uh, from right on there, I was hooked, man. I, I went and worked out with those guys every night. I went to class. Um, you know, they, they switched space to a bigger spot, and uh, you know there was a lot of room to do other stuff. You know, I started to get my conditioning up again. Um, I started learning about Olympic lifting and and you know how it, it makes you explosive. Uh, I learned all about functional fitness and all that stuff, and you know it was just something that I said, you know what, this is great. I'm just gonna keep being an athlete forever, and and you know maybe someday I'll be able to teach people to do it. And now I'm a coach, and I love teaching people to do it. It's you know it, it's the best thing I could have at the, at the moment in terms of post-college, um, you know, athletics. Do you like it because of the challenge of the movements or do you like it because the athleticism of the movements, like it, it makes you still feel like you're an athlete or do you like the competitions? I know you do a ton of competitions. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I like being competitive. I like to compete with other people. Um, you know, when I walked into – uh, 732, when I walked into Hoboken, my first day at CrossFit Hoboken, I was not the best athlete there. There were guys kicking my ass every day in workouts, and, and it was great. I was back to being the same theme as I always had. There's, right, there's, there's yeah. another guy in the room that's better than me. How do I be like him? Oh, he comes in and he squats three days a week? Well, I'm squatting three days a week now, too. Um, so I started doing that. And then, you know, I, you know, again, challenging movements, obviously always, always fun to do. Um, I was not good at Olympic lifting for a very long time. I did not know how to maneuver this barbell. Um, Hoboken got a really good Olympic lifting coach, and I worked a lot with him, and, and I started to feel like I was moving very deliberately, moving really well. Um, you know, so I just, you know, and again, another challenge to overcome. Um, and then, you know, it was the regimented lifestyle was what I've had for so long, and it was, it was weird to me to go to work at 7 and leave at 5.30 and then go home and just right. kind of like, all right, watch some TV, make dinner. What do I do now? Um, so, you know, going to CrossFit is, is, for me, it's just an excuse to hang out with my friends again. You know, it's just every night there's a bunch of us. We're all in this back room, and 
we all work out and we all work on something different. And some days I go to class and, you know, get to hang out with new people. And, you know, the 50-year-old woman right next to me, she's doing the same workout as me. And we're both dead at the end of it. Right. Just because I got more reps than she did. When I'm in that class, it doesn't bother, it doesn't bother her. It doesn't bother me. We're both laying on the ground like, um, I cannot believe what just happened to me. And, and that's fun, you know. I mean, people think it's weird, but I think it's fun. Right. So, so I, I think that's big about making sure that you still have fun with what you do. Because like you said, like when you go to like a Gold's Gym or something like that. You're by like, yourself. And, yeah, you're by yourself. You're You're probably not even showing up with like a program that you're trying to follow or any kind of like idea of trying to get better at something. Right. And it's, you're right. Like, like what's the fun in that? And then when you, even on like a bad day at CrossFit, when you're with all your friends, like you didn't hit the weight you were looking for or whatever, like who cares? You know, you you still had fun probably trying. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not a big drinker. So like Wednesday night going to the bar isn't really my thing. So Wednesday night hanging out with the six guys, I'd go out with drinking anyway. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. I remember when I was, uh, in college, that's like I never wanted to go out. I never wanted to do anything, but I felt bad about it. Right. Like I felt like I was supposed to be going to the bar. Yeah. I was supposed to be doing this, yeah. but like I literally, I'm like, I wish people just wanted to like throw the football at the field or something on Friday oh, night, man. or me too, or like go to the gym or something like that. But like, why doesn't anyone want to do that? Nobody. Yeah, and that's the part that used to frustrate me in college, and I think that made it hard for me to transition because I can never find, you know, a group of guys who like had the same. Yeah thinking as i did um but but it's not always that though too you know it's it's you know the, the crossfit thing back to you know what you said about being um being injured and maybe you're a kid without the resources crossfit's great i love doing it, it the gym is great i love having uh space to work out in but it doesn't have to be a crossfit gym you know um Britta wrote, did you read Britta's last article uh, uh the necessary so we'll put it on the podcast. Britta, okay. Yeah, I'll put my girlfriend I'll show it in, the, uh, in the the show notes. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend Britta runs a blog called Necessary Thickness, and she wrote an article about uh, what's called the Skinny Bitch Collective. No, right? I did read that. Did you read that one? Yep. And uh, you know what? It's it's a club of of women who they work out, and the the goal is to be skinny, model looking. Yep. You know what? I'm not gonna. You know, she wrote in the article, and I have the same opinion. Is I'm not going to bash anybody for picking that what form they of, do, yeah. yeah. I, I like the fact that people want to be fit and they want to do stuff. And if CrossFit's the way you do it, great. If yoga is the way you do right, it, great. Exactly. If, if going outside and rolling around on the ground <laughs> for like a half hour, like a dog is how you're going to do it. Whatever, man. Like I like that. I'm going to add know, that to my next if, best if, day, best day ever. Best day ever. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if, if that's how you want to do it, that's great. Like, I'm not going to pick or I'm not going to pick for you. There's a couple culty crossfit people who say you know crossfit's the way to do it right it's not it you know it's it's just doing what makes you happy as long as you're being active you know there's scientific evidence to prove that being active is is healthy for you right, right. so why wouldn't you be doing it so if you choose to do it whatever way i mean that's you know that's that's great so you, you have a, a desk job you, you what's your your uh so i work in finance i work on a yeah like a trading desk so how, do you, like, go crazy at work sometimes? Like, how do you keep yourself sane at work? I'm pretty lucky. My office is very, um, you know, there's about 30 people in the room. Um, I have one of those. I have a chair, but I also have one of those blow-up, uh, what are those things called, medicine balls? Uh, like a BOSU ball? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have, like, the big blue ball. One of these things, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have a big blue ball. I got one ball. here for my knee rehab. Oh, yeah, you need that. <laughs> I have like one of those times five in size okay. and uh, I sit on it and I bounce on it all day and, and you know, I pretty much don't sit still for more than like 20 minutes. And I, I wonder if my boss looks at me funny sometimes. He thinks I'm slacking off because every 20 to 30 minutes I stand up and walk in a circle 
or we have a basketball hoop, and I'll just go shoot. Shoot, yeah. And I, I, I always am a little, you know, timid about it because I'm like, man, I hope he knows that I I'm need actually, to do this. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I can't do, perform if I can't do I can't, this. I can't. If yeah. I sit still for like an hour, uh, I start to like shake. Right. And you know, it's not not really built into my DNA to do that. So, um, I do my best to you know sit up straight and then um, try and get up and move around a lot and. Um, you know, I know it's not easy to do if you work at a desk, but I think it's really important. You know, I mean, your whole life you've been running around, walking around, playing and doing whatever. And then boom, you're sedentary for 10 hours. um, That drives me crazy. On Barbell Shrug, they had an episode where Barbell Shrug is another podcast in case whoever's listening to this doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, about sitting and how sitting kills you. Oh yeah. Like it, there's a, they said that there's like a stronger correlation between, sitting and lifespan than there is between like anything else oh, i bet yeah yeah unfortunately i, I have i'm wheeling myself around yeah, you're in, st- in a wheelchair <laughs> make the best of it though yeah it's it's fun i got some really cool stickers on there there's like a sticker battle going on, on the back of it it started off with because i had a michigan state helmet decal so oh, i'm trying man. to like trick this thing out piss so. people off probably right yeah so, so smashing my them. my physical therapist for my knee actually went to michigan Oh no! Yeah, and so he's like, "Yeah, I can't have this." So Put he, it right he, on top. Yeah, he bought a Michigan decal on Amazon, slapped it <laughs> on awesome. there. That's awesome. And then my other buddy, he went to Notre Dame, so he doesn't like either of those teams. Oh, boy. So he's gonna. He said he bought one. That's great. Yeah. That. John is a, a frequent listener of the podcast, so hello, John. What's up, um, John? Yeah. And then all right, so let's talk about. Uh, we're kind of coming to a close here. So I've seen you work out a few times, like just you know, in competitions and I could tell that you get in this, like this zone, right. Zone. Where you kind of just like, you, you, you shut your mind off and you just like, you just keep working. Um, can you talk about like how you get in that zone and like, cause when you, when, when shit hits the fan, basically like you get hurt or something else in your life comes up and like that you don't expect, you kind of de- got to just get in the zone and like find a way to kind of get through yeah. it. Right. So how do you get in the zone? Um, um you know, so going back to, uh, to to playing basketball at Villanova, you know, we Coach Wright was always talk saying "be here now." That that was a big a big phrase he used, um, and you know the goal the, what that meant was you know no matter what's going on around you, you know we would have practice and you know you'd have a hard test coming up, or maybe you just maybe you just bombed a test, or um, you know your girlfriend was mad at you at the time, or or stuff that was going on. You know, people, you know if you had family issues, you know all that stuff. It, it's unfortunate and it happens, but the the goal is to be here now when we have practice for two hours and when we have we're going to work out for one hour. You know, you're supposed to be here and focused exactly on the task at hand. And then when you're done, then we'll go back to worrying about everything else. But for this, you know, this ninety minutes or this two hours or whatever, I mean, sometimes it was three and a half hours, you had to be here. And uh you know that that was big and that resonated with me for a long time and, and then now when I when I go work out it's the same exact thing. And when I go to work it's the same exact thing. Um, you know, be focused on the task at hand and then, you know, when it's over, then you go then you can pick a new task to figure out. And right. then you can go deal with something else or deal with another issue at hand you know, that's going on. But you know, when I'm working out, um, you know, I, I just wanna for me personally, some people thrive off different things. I do not thrive off of noise. Or, like or people, people yelling in my you, face, yeah. like I just need to be, especially in something where like a CrossFit competition where well, everyone's yelling at you, like yeah, really go faster. It's yeah. like I'm trying, yeah. but I'm tired, and that's not <laughs> yeah, that's not helping. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I think there's uh, you know, for me, I get some value out of just getting my head down and 
I don't want to say not talking to anybody, but if someone's yelling in my face, it doesn't do me any good. You know, I just need to, to it's shut getting everything off. you more off. worked up than you yeah. need to be. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, um, when we were also you know, playing basketball for so long, I always learned not to look in the crowd because, one, you might spot your dad, and that makes you nervous. <laughs> and, two, you know, there's so much going on. There's people jumping. There's people yelling. There's, the crowd tells you, telling you to shoot the ball and then somebody else telling you to pass the ball. You got to just – you got to just – Drown all that out as best you can and focus on exactly what you're doing at that moment. And, you know, for a sport like basketball, you have plenty of teammates in CrossFit and in individual competitions. It's just you out there. You know, I imagine a boxer or a tennis player or, you know, something like that is a little bit different because it's just you. Um, it's you versus the other guy. You know, when I'm doing a competition, it's me versus the guy next to me and the guy to my left, the guy to my right. And we're all doing the same exact thing. So, you know, by looking at him and, and seeing where he is and, you know, he's on a different journey in terms of the way his his physical fitness is, right? right. Maybe, maybe he comes out fast and he slows down. I personally go fast and then I slow down for a second. I go fast and slow Stay down. Stay within right. yourself, right. So I just got to, you know, do your thing and, and, you know, put your head down and, and not worry about what, what's going on around you. You, know, you can only control yourself. Right. You know, there's a lot of factors. You know, you might, you get injured, you know, that's, that's not, you know, that's out of your control. You yep. know what I mean? So. Awesome. Um, so you have like a, a workout playlist that you, you listen to when you work out? Like what, what are your, your top three songs that you like? They, they get you Might going when it comes you, on. I, li- I listen to weird music sometimes in the gym. Like every, you know, not every Friday, but the occasional Friday, Chad, my roommate, and I will we'll go squat and we'll play country music. And people, it drives people nuts. <laughs> They're like, this is slow, twangy country. And, yeah. You know, it doesn't always work for me, but some nights I'm like, oh, you know, I just want to sing to a country song. Right. I think it's all about having fun too. Yeah, like it, it is. Goes back yeah, to you got to have fun. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're not, uh, if you're not laughing, it's, it's not worth it. Right. Right. Um, you know, there, there are some days like yesterday we did this, this CrossFit open workout, which was 20 minutes. And, uh, the guy who was DJing, he comes over and he goes, uh, you know, what, what music do you want to hear? And I said, I want something I can sing to because... <laughs> For 20 minutes, right. I need to be like in a rhythm. I need to be singing along with the music. And basically what I did the whole time was just sing along. I, mean, I don't even remember what song was on, but I was singing along like some, probably like Celine Dion or something weird. That's the Titanic, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of music I actually <laughs> enjoy. You know, I like the stuff my parents like. Right. Um, but, you know, if I had a sprint workout, you know, I'd, I'd need like heavy metal Something just to kind of like get me really fired up for four minutes and then, then I'd turn it off and, <laughs> and cool myself down. But... In terms of the top three, um, when I was doing uh, the Miami qualifier, that Wadapalooza thing I did. I that remember, was fun to watch you that guys. Was fun. Yeah. The, one of the workouts was 20 muscle-ups for time, and uh, I, I played Shakira for that one. Because there was, your hips don't lie? Oh, yeah, it's a good one. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. <laughs> but they don't. But uh, I had her play the uh, – I had them play the, the FIFA um, World Cup song. Okay. The, the Africa song. And I got it, – it was like my best – 20 muscle-ups I ever did in my life. And I'm like, this is, this is great. And people were like, seriously? This is what you want? I'm like, yeah, go find it. Um, I like listening to – I actually love listening to that, Sar- that Sorry song by Justin Bieber. Oh, love Bieber's it. killing yeah. it, dude, yeah. Love that song. Gets me going. Um, I'm trying to think of a good third one. Every once in a while, I'll play like an 80s playlist on uh, Pandora and just jam out to whatever weird Def Leppard song comes on. Yeah. <laughs> I was going through – because I don't have uh, – Sirius or XM radio XM. in my car, yeah. but Lauren does. So every time I go in her car, I'm just like constantly going through like 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s. It's great. Yeah, it's fun. You gotta it's have like good a, workout music. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, what are your uh, future CrossFit goals? You know what? I uh, the the more and more I do this, 
um, there, there's a lot of things going on. You know, li- life generally gets in the way of what you want to do. Um, I used, you know, a couple years ago when I started doing this, I was like, I'm, I'm all about competing and um, I, I want to go to the region. I want to go to regionals and I want to do all this stuff. And that would still be cool to do. But no, people get faster. People get stronger. Everyone's getting better at it. Um, you know, my goal is to you know stay competitive. I always want to be competitive. I always want to be known as someone who's competitive. Um, I want you know if, if someone's in the area and, and asks, calls up, calls you up and says, "Hey, Kevin, um, who's someone I can work out with who, who would really push me?" I want you to I want you to immediately think of me. You know, that's that's kind of right. that's kind of one of the things I want to do. I'll still compete um, and, and do my best every time, but I, I'm definitely trying to scale back on it a little bit. Um, you know, I'm working. I have a girlfriend. Um, you know, I have a lot of other things going on. Um, I like to coach. Um, so what, one of the goals someday is also, I want to, uh, you know, I want to coach other people. I don't want to just coach CrossFit. I want to coach, I want to coach high school athletes and I want to coach, um, in terms of strength and conditioning, yeah, basketball, strength and, no, strength and conditioning, yeah. you know, or everything, you know, I want to be someone that you can, that if you're 10, 12 years old or you're a parent and your son is kind of in that middle of the road pack that I was in. I want them to be able to to call me, and, and I can be the guy to, to to. I want to know about. I want to learn about nutrition, and learn about um, you know strength and conditioning and agility, and uh, you know learn a little more about physiology and how the human body works. And um, you know, one day I want to be a part of maybe a gym or a program where you know I can coach younger kids to do um, you know about in, injury prevention and about getting stronger and about getting faster and, and you know. Maybe someday I'll coach a Division One athlete, or maybe my son will be a Division One athlete. You never know. Right. You know? So, that, that that's definitely one of my goals. I'm I'm working on it at the moment. I'm working on uh, we're working on that at uh at Dave's gym at, Bison, at CrossFit yep. Bison. Um, you know I think we're, you know they're in a good area in, in Bergen County with a lot of athletes, a lot of kids, and you know I, I want to see kids do well and do the things that I did. You know yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I was just hearing you talk like I feel like you're perfect for that because you've been through it You and it yeah. wasn't like the easy road. It wasn't like you, you were born with all this talent and like with the height right. and you know, the explosiveness and stuff like that. But you worked through it and you got there. You got to the highest level, yeah. you know, in college basketball. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I don't even – the kids who are, who are destined to be Division One athletes – they already get coached by NFL players and NBA players and, right. and college players. And, you know, there, there's a lot of guys who, you know, maybe they were a low Division three player and, and they could be a low D1 player or they could be like a, a, D, a Division two basketball player or football player. You know, those guys need attention too. And, uh, you know, that was me. I wasn't the most athletically gifted. I wasn't the, the best. I was never the right. best player. I was never a good shooter. But – you know, a guy like Rich can can work out with me and and turn me into and, and really get me over that hump just to be a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, and then right. You it's know, easy, yeah, it's easy to train the guy who's yeah. When yeah. the guy can when the guy can run a four five forty yeah. and has like a forty inch vertical, yeah, of course what you can turn can you him into a, yeah. into a phenomenal football player. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what about the kid that you know he's like five ten, one hundred and sixty pounds, and you know he he's a decent player. Um, he's smart. He he has all the work ethic, but no one taught him certain things and. You know, I, I think that was me, and, and I want to be able to, to help kids do the same thing. Awesome. Um, I remember one story you told me about your dad. Like, well, something happened oh at a basketball game. and There were a lot of those. Like, <laughs> you, you, like, I don't know if you, like, missed a shot or, you like, you messed up, but you went to some, like, park. Oh, my God. I, he still remembers the story. He was, like, bleeding or you were yeah. bleeding. So tell I, tell I played the story. Game, yeah. I, I was probably, like, 12 or 13, and I was starting to – 
I was starting to grow, but I didn't really grow until I was like 16, 17 years old. And I was probably, I think I was 13, and uh, I came back from a, from a, a day of, of, I probably played like two or three games that day in the tournament, and uh, I was, I played terribly. You know, my, my dad was pretty tough on me, and I'll never, I'll, you know, I'll always thank him for it. Um, but at the time, we got, you know, I grew up my dad spitting at the windshield, yelling at me after every game, which, <laughs> hey, man, it worked, right? But uh, he came home, we came back, and I'm exhausted. It's like 6 o'clock on a Sunday in the winter, I think. Sun's going down. My dad's like, we're going to shoot. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> so he takes me to the school, the school basketball court. It's outdoors. It's got double rims a tiny backboard and we, we shot for like half an hour and he was getting pissed at me because I wasn't being aggressive and, and one of the things that was always my problem was I could always dribble I could always move I could play defense I was never just like a heavy scorer you know I the flip this the switch never flipped in my head to just go score 30 you know I didn't I never had that and it worked out for me when I got to college because my job was not to score 30 it was right. to do everything else right so he was telling me that I wasn't aggressive enough and I needed to shoot more, I needed to score, and I needed to be, be physical. So we played one-on-one. And my dad was, was able to beat me for most of my life uh, up to that point. You know, I, was always small and I was always smaller than him. So we played one-on-one, and it was like pitch black. And I can't see anything. He can't see anything. And he's just physically beating me up and he's <laughs> bodying me. So I got so mad. You know, and and I, was, I was afraid of my dad for a long time, and I still am. I was so mad. I took one step by him and I elbowed him square in the face. <laughs> and I scored the lamp. And I was like, yeah, that's how it's done. And, and, and I turn around and he's like, bleeding, <laughs> like foaming at the mouth, bleeding. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm walking home. <laughs> and, and that was the last time my dad and I ever played one on one. I think he started to, to, you know, in his head, he was like, man, my, my, you know, my son's starting to be my size. Right. He's, he's starting to get bigger, faster. Like, I think, and that was the last time we ever played one on one together. Well, if you're going to elbow someone <laughs> in the face, make it count, least, right? Uh, make it a dentist, too, so they could fix themselves. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was fine. He was fine, but he was bleeding. And I don't think I ever saw my dad bleed yet. Yeah. And, uh, bleed was, my own blood. I was terrified. <laughs> um, awesome. So, my last two questions. Um, right. What would your best day ever consist of? Oh. We, Dallas <laughs> you, and I have know. had it. Yeah, we, we've had a best day ever uh, in yeah, the I mean, summer. Yeah, pre- preface it with that. With, with this summer, our best day ever was uh, we woke up. We went to uh, an outdoor rig. Yeah, we at we, ZS Fitness ZS, in Long we, Valley. Out, a gym with an outdoor rig. We worked out. We did like a, a really long couples workout. Yeah, right? It was that like was, hot as hell, too. It was hot. It was it was uh, it was like nine in the morning. Worked out for like two hours, and then we went to uh, Schoolies Mountain Park yep, in Long we Valley. Went to, for we had a, hike. a good. Oh, oh no, yeah, we went and got the food pub. first. Yeah, brew pub. I had a great burger and a good beer. We went for a hike for like an hour. Yeah. I don't I don't ever go hiking. That was that was hard. Um, then we went to the soccer field at uh, Morristown Beard. Morristown Beard, and we played well i, I we played fetch yeah kevin played fetch <laughs> and uh britta lauren and i kicked the soccer ball around basically with no purpose we just kicked it yeah and uh, we threw fun. a football yeah we threw a football we ran routes and i still remember the pass you threw me and i dropped it i was so mad at you i know it was so, perfect it was perfect i don't yeah. throw very well I'm, i have great hands but i can't throw for crap yeah and i threw you my one good pass in my career i know i'm usually it. pretty like sure-handed too but not and that then time. uh and then we went to whole foods we picked up four really expensive steaks. but really good steaks yep. we ate them here i mean that is the epitome of the best day ever i mean I just want to be outside and, and I want to go paintballing and I want to 
to, I want to run around stuff and I want to play with, I mean, I love dogs, you know, um, I want to go play with dogs. I'll go to a shelter somewhere or maybe one day I'll just own like six dogs and I'll let them loose in my yard. There you go. And just, you know, that's, that's the best day I could possibly have. I see like Rich Froning and stuff like on Instagram or whatever. Rich Froning's the fittest man on earth, quote unquote, unquote. because he won the CrossFit Games four times in a row, I think. A lot. Either way, he's the guy's a freak. But when he all his posts, he's like riding motorcycles, shooting guns, right. like doing all this like fun stuff. He plays like flag football, and he does like all this yeah, cool stuff. That's like, exactly yeah, what it's got to be. The you life know? you want to live. Yeah, yep. I can't wait to move out of the city area. Yep. All right. So last question: What's your uh, personal definition of perseverance? Ooh, I like that one. You always you ask that everybody that right I, on the way out. It's like whenever I feel like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say that it's not about, it's just make sure you don't sweat the little things. Um, you know, uh, coach Wright always had this picture of a, of a stone in our weight room and, and the phrase we always use was tapping at the stone. Right. And, you know, if you want to break a big rock, you, you can't take one swing on it and then just shatter it. Right. You gotta, you're just going to tap at it for Tap days, months, years, right? Um, but on the you know along the way, you really can't sweat the little things that happen. Um, you know, day to day. I mean, you have to always have a big picture in mind. Um, you know, it, it, another thing. Again, listen, I, I learned a lot of stuff playing basketball at Villanova. But um, you know, one of the things you used to say was, you know, "Be the best, best version of yourself that you can be." And uh, you know you can't sweat the little things along the way. And by little things, I mean anything that happens to you on the way to your goal. Um, you know, dislocated knee. You know, it, it happens. It's very, it's devastating. But um, you know, it's just another challenge that that God puts in front of you, and you just got to figure it out. I mean, um, you know, in this life, it's you versus you, right? There, there's no, no, no one's out there to help you. I mean, the world is not doesn't have much mercy for people, and. Uh, you know, you have your, your, your small support system around you, family and friends, and I, got, I love having guys like you around, Kev. But, uh, you know, it, it's you, you don't have a lot of uh, – you don't have a ton of help along the way all the time. Right. And you can't sweat the things that happen along the way. you got to have that big picture in mind and set some goals and, and figure out how you're going to get there. You know, it's, it's generally three steps forward, two steps back, right? It's right. not ever going to be just this perfect climb up a nice, uh, a nice ladder – to whatever you want to be. Right. Um, I feel like if it was and it was that easy, it wouldn't be as, you know, as fun, I guess. It'd be boring. You know, if you walked into work every day and someone said, okay, you know, here's your job. It's super easy and here's a check for a million dollars. I mean, you get bored after a while, right? Right. So, you know, life isn't easy and that's what makes it fun. Right. All right. I like that. Um, I just thought of this because you talked a lot about Villanova basketball. You still talk to your coach at all? Yeah. Yeah. We, We stay in touch. Cool. He um, he's very big on on the alumni uh, the alumni players. Um, you know, we had a, a a phrase that was put on the back of our shirts that said, "We play for those who came before us." And cool. the programs that you're in, whether it's basketball, whether it's your office, right. uh, whatever you do, you know, the the program is not the current players. It will be when they leave, but but the, but a program is is right, created by everyone that came before us. You right. know, we, we'd always talk about. The 2006 team with with Mike Nardi and Kyle Lowry. I didn't, you know, I'm I didn't meet those guys till I was pretty much on my way out. But those were the guys that set the tone for the way the program was going to be run. And you know, each year a new guy comes in. You know, at work, we you know every year we bring in another intern, a younger guy, and you have to tell you know older. It's the older teammates' responsibility to right. tell the younger guy, hey, this is how it works. You know, we do this. 
we, we, you know, we eat here for lunch. We, you know, when I was on the team, it was we, we eat breakfast together in this dining hall. Um, we have practice. You show up 30 minutes early. Um, you know, we all wear the same travel gear, and, and it's, you know, that's what a program is, you know. And, and coach, you know, coach Wright's big on that and, and, and staying in touch with everybody. Um, getting people to as many events as possible. I mean, he when they when they got the number one, C, uh, they were ranked number one in the nation a couple of weeks ago. They just oh, lost. Wow. They just we just lost to Xavier. But when we were number one, the next day he texted. Um, he sent us a text and he goes, "This is all about you guys. Uh, you know, we did this because of those who came before us." And there were like fifty people on this text message oh, thread. Wow. And I didn't even have. I probably had like six of the phone the numbers. numbers. Yeah. I don't even know. Those were all players that played bef- that played for him, and played before me. And uh, you know that's what the program is. It's, it's, right. it's that's what you know. It's made up of everybody that came before you. And and you know he he takes pride in that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, Dallas, thanks for coming all the way out here to do the interview. And I know you said that someday you want um, to be like kids to like look up to you and stuff like that. And honestly, uh, just from being your friend and stuff like that, like you're someone that I do look up to. Um, yeah, no problem. Uh, just in terms of just how you carry yourself and how you you're always organizing like events for people, like just fun things like the ski trip and oh, stuff like great. that. And you're a, a perfect role model for any high school athlete or any athlete in general. Um, and just how to carry yourself and how to you know play the sport and just have fun and you know do your thing. Yeah. This was fun, man. All right. Thanks, Dallas. Appreciate it, man. There were three main highlights from this interview that I think are important to reflect on because they could be not only helpful for injury recovery, but also for overcoming any obstacle in life. First, knowing your role on any team is vitally important, especially when an injury takes you off the court or field. Second, There are a lot of distractions in today's world that can impede your recovery or from getting to the next level. So when you're at the gym or rehabbing an injury, put the phone down and be here now. Lastly, as the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day. But if you keep tapping the rock, make sure that you are prepared for big things to come. If you haven't done so yet, please go over to iTunes and Stitcher, leave us a five-star review. This way we can spread our message further and further each week. Um, You could also follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Uh, our handle is at heads and tails. That's heads as in multiple heads, the letter N, and then tails spelled T-A-L-E-S. Same thing goes on Twitter. Just add a P-O-D at the end. And also like us on Facebook. We're trying to keep it classy these days, so you can also now follow us on LinkedIn. As always, you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can always keep tapping the rock in response to whatever life throws at you.